today on CityCast Philly. It's the Friday News Roundup. We're talking about how the city is going after unlicensed short-term rental properties, how Delaware County and Pennsylvania State Police cracked a 48-year-old cold case, and why the former Glen Mills campus is planning to admit students this fall. It's Friday, July 28th. I'm Trini Nuri, and here's what Philly's talking about. Joining me this week is Asha Prihar, reporter at Billy Penn. Hey, Asha. Hi. And Kenny Cooper, reporter at WHYY News. Hey, Kenny. Hey. Okay, so each week I love to start with an icebreaker, and it's pretty obvious. It is hot outside, y'all. So I want to know, how are you staying cool? I'm just not going outside. Uh, (laughs) It sounds terrible, but as, as long as I can move safely indoors with the air conditioner, I try to stay indoors. Yes. How about for you, Asha? I would say pretty much the same. And I also do love a good popsicle. I love the like watermelon outshine bars. Okay. So I would say (laughs) that I will probably be having one of those this evening. Yes. I always have like a cup of ice right next to me on my desk. So we'll, we'll go into some ways our listeners can stay cool later in the show. But I want to talk about some some top stories of this week. Kenny, I want to start with you. You worked on a couple of different stories this week. I want to start in Delaware County. Let's talk about how law enforcement cracked a 48-year-old cold case involving the kidnapping and murder of 8-year-old Gretchen Harrington. And this happened back in 1975. Kenny, what new evidence did officials have that broke the case? Right, right. So actually, they received a break in a case around January. They received somewhat of a tip from an unnamed friend of the suspects, David Zanstra's uh, children that basically arose some suspicions in Zanstra about his behavior. Basically, the individual said that when she was 10 years old, she was groped by Zanstra. And he was a pastor of this Marple Town community, right? Yes, yes. So that's kind of the relation that, you know, Zanstra had to the victim, Gretchen Harrington, is that he was a pastor at one of the churches that ran her summer Bible camp. Interesting. Now, you also reported that this really shook up this community at the time, right? Because this was back in 1975, like for this community, life was simple and innocent. But then when law enforcement found Gretchen's body, David fled, what, down to Georgia? Yeah, so not immediately. You know, he, he never arose suspicions, but not too far off afterwards. He then became a pastor in Texas and Georgia. So is some, I want to say, concern amongst authorities and, you know, law enforcement that if what they believe to be true, that, you know, there could be more victims out there. Interesting. What has Gretchen's family said since his arrest? So they released a brief statement that focused on the importance of accountability, especially considering their loss. But the statement mostly spoke about just the kind of person that their eight-year-old daughter was, at least how they remembered her, her family. So, you know, that's really how the statement went. I don't anticipate any more updates from the family, but if we do, I believe that they'll pass them off to the DA. Interesting. Kenny, I also want to talk about a story that also caught my eye. I grew up in Delaware County, and I remember 
hearing stories about Glenn Mills and now the former Glenn Mills campus, which was the nation's oldest all boys reform school, that that site plans to or wants to reopen this fall. And now if people remember that this story was, this school was closed because of abuse allegations back in 2019. They were they closed the school. Kenny, who owns this site now? And like, who wants to reopen the site? So that's the million dollar question. Right. Clock Tower Schools is the new entity that now owns and runs Glen Mills campus. But when you take a look under the hood, you realize that Clock Tower Schools has hired individuals that have formerly worked at Glen Mills. Their executive director Mm. currently in place was also at Glen Mills. So there's a whole lot of crossover and overlap. They share the same phone number at a time. They shared the same attorney. So it's really unclear where this line is drawn. It really Mm -hmm. separates the two entities. I want to be clear. They are two separate legal entities by name. But whether or not they have fundamentally changed themselves internally in their institution remains to be seen. And not only was this a reform school, students lived at the facility and it was for adjudicated youth. Now, what I read in your reporting now, the Westchester area school district will educate clock tower students, but they have some concerns. What are their concerns? So because of where Glen Mills is located, it actually falls under the jurisdiction of the Westchester area school district. And they have a few concerns. Oh, mostly stemming from the fact that they were kind of thrust at this responsibility last minute. But it all relates to the speed in which the process is going. They don't believe that they can necessarily staff the facility or at least the educational program in time. And coming up with a curriculum where you don't necessarily know how this education is going to be delivered, whether or not students mm. will be confined to campus, is all really a big headache for them. So they've been asking the state to put a pause on this or at least a delay. And they haven't really had their request answered. There was supposed to be some movement in July about accepting students. And there was some pushback from the Westchester Area School District. And now the date appears to be September. And they're still asking for somewhat of more time, but it's really unclear. Interesting. Do we know how many students Clock Tower projects to take in the fall if they do reopen? So they're going to accept a few students until they hit that 25 student threshold under their provisional license with the state. So the state has given them this license that will allow them to take upwards of 25 students. So they'll be accepting a few of those students a month until they've reached that threshold. Interesting. We'll definitely keep our eyes out for more developments on that story. Okay, shifting gears, Asha, I want to talk about a story you reported this week. The city is cracking down on unlicensed short-term rental properties. We're talking about Airbnbs, Verbo, Booking.com. Tell us what is going on. Yeah, so essentially, I mean, in the sort of grand scheme of the existence of the city of Philadelphia, Airbnbs, Verbo, like it's all like a very new thing. So they were first legalized in the city in, back in 2015 and they set regulations then, but city council sort of revisited that in 2021 after some people complained about the various things happening at short-term rentals in their neighborhood. Like house parties, yes. a lot of noise complaints. Got it. Okay. Yes, exactly. And so city council decided to put some more stringent regulations previously There were certain types of Airbnbs, short-term rentals that weren't as regulated or like didn't require as much licensing or any licensing really. So now all types of short-term rentals 
are being regulated. And so that was passed back in 2021. And the original intent was to put that law into effect last year in 2022. And all of the owners of these properties would have needed to get specific zoning permits specific to short-term rentals. And then they also needed to get specific licenses. But enough people didn't do that, that the city decided to delay the implementation until this year. And so at the beginning of this year, the city started working with Airbnb and Verbo and like other websites like it to find out exactly where all of these listings are located. They subpoenaed them, asked them for information. And now they're sort of in the process of essentially seeing who has a license and who doesn't and contacting the platforms and saying like, hey, these properties aren't licensed. Um, They haven't followed the local laws, take them down. And those platforms are required to take those down within five business days. I was just going to ask you, well, what's Airbnb or Verbo saying about delisting these unlicensed properties? Yeah. So when I contacted them, they sort of both gave me statements to the tune of like, they are working with local authorities So they both say they've been communicating with the hosts about the requirements. I did ask them when they started this communication, given that like this law was passed two years ago and it seemed like a lot of people weren't licensed last year, but they, neither of them answered that question that I asked them. Interesting. So it's a little, it's a little unclear as to when they started that communication, but they say that they have been communicating and they are working with the city to make sure that the people have licenses. It's a little unclear so far how many of like properties have been taken down at this point. But do we know how many unlicensed properties uh, there are right now? So the city is estimating somewhere between 1,500 and 1,700. So it's a pretty, pretty big number. But like I said, it's unclear exactly what the status of those properties are. That information isn't really out there at the moment. And the reason that city council kind of like took this on is because they saw these short-term rentals more like traditional businesses. Is that right? To an extent. I mean, back when they were legalized in 2015, they all became subject to the 8.5% hotel tax that the city um, charges. So that that's been in place, but I think the the motivation on city council's part was more like trying to rein in the bad actors and make sure that like everyone is registering with the city so that if there are complaints, like it's clear like who owns the property and who is operating as an Airbnb. Because there are some instances where renters can like list their own apartment, but they need permission from their landlord. So there's like there's like a whole process and like they want to make sure that everything's up to code and and whatnot. So I think it's more of just making sure that there's just generally more oversight because people have complained, like we said before, about like parties and disruptions to neighborhoods and and whatnot. So back in 2015, this is also the time when Pope Francis came to visit. And so we were getting an influx of visitors and thinking, you know, forward thinking, we're going to soon have World Cup visitors and other big events coming in, coming through the city. So people need places to stay. So I kind of understand like kind of the bigger picture and why the city is starting to care about this. Now, I'm also curious, Asha, can hosts list their space, apartments, homes, 
on multiple platforms? Yes, that that does happen. It is allowed. The the new law that was passed in 2021 essentially mandated that hosts can only list short-term rentals on like authorized platforms that like have registered with the city themselves. So like Airbnb and Verbo have both done that. So has booking.com. Yeah. So like you have to do it through like the city's list of providers, but you can put your home on Airbnb, put your home on Verbo. You can also put it in like different configurations. So like if you want to split it into two for like smaller groups or like for bigger groups, like have it as like one bigger space. That's, that's all like possibility. All right. That was Asha Bihar, reporter at Billy Penn and Kenny Cooper, reporter at WHYY. Thank you both for joining me this week on CityCast Philly. Thanks for having me. Of course. It's time for the tip of the week where we share a life hack for living in Philly. Philly is under a heat health emergency through 8 p.m. on Saturday. If you don't have air conditioning and need to cool off, the city has opened cooling centers at free library and rec center locations all around Philadelphia. For more information about where to go and how to take care of heat-related illnesses, call the Philadelphia Corporation for Aging Heat Line at 215-765-9040. If you have a tip of the week, We'd love to hear from you, too. Call or text us at 215-259-8170. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. Our lead producer is Laura Benchoff. Our producers are Abby Fritz, Elizabeth Kama, and Noah Snyderman. Our Hey Philly newsletter editors are Brittany Valentine and Natalia Aldana. And our host is me, Trine Nuri. Music is by Philly's own Interminable, with additional music from All the Kimonos and James Weldon. If you enjoyed this week of episodes, tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Philly. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Have a great weekend, y'all, and be safe. Bye. Bye.